With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Episode 84 of the Lion of Vienna Suite Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today, as ever, is Mr. Chris Manning. Chris, how are you? Hello, Dan. Fine, thank you. Not bad at all, Tar. I'm uh, sat here tonight on my sofa watching PSG struggle uh, against Leon. Struggle? Money can't, buy you everything. Money can't buy you everything, I suppose. Yeah, it's a pretty dull nil-nil, to be honest, at half-time. Interesting, interesting. I'm sure Neymar and uh, Mbappe and the likes will work their magic before too long. Mm-hmm. I've got a pound on it, so I hope they do. High stakes, high stakes. And also joining us today, a very special uh, guest, first podcast of the season of him, it's Mr. Mark Isles of the Bolton News. Mark, how are you? Fantastic, wonderful. Out of embargo. You've, you've kick-started it, and it's exactly where we're going to kick off, because the news that broke the day after, we finished, you know, the morning after, or the evening after we finished recording the last episode of the podcast, and speaking of which... Three weeks in a row of podcasts, you're, like, we're back on it, and you're going to enjoy them. But the news uh, broke, well, it was teased, as it always is, in the early afternoon about uh, the announcement. And then at 7 o'clock, the announcement did come via the Bolton site and uh, good old Lee. And the news was that the embargo has been lifted a whole 630 days, was it, Mark? That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, 90 weeks... 927,000 minutes or something along those lines. <laughs> so for nearly, Not we're counting. For nearly nearly two years been under embargo. It's been a long old road, but it's fact, you know, conveniently gone a mere two weeks after the transfer window closes, so that's good. But, Mark, this must be a massive weight off the shoulders after, you know, as we've just said, so, so long under this dark cloud that is the embargo. Um, I think it's, it's good that we're no longer referring to it as an embargo, um, but I, I think realistically there's still a lot of measures that are in place hmm. um I, I don't think uh entirely out of the woods yet the club's still in special measures the, the football league has still got them uh, by the proverbials in in many respects they still need uh, a, a lot of uh, to, to to tick a lot more boxes before they can operate uh, in, in the same way as um as, as many of the other clubs in the EFL are doing at the minute uh you know, it's 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 nice. Of course, it's nice to say you're not in a transfer embargo, and you would theoretically be able to bring in, you know, your Alex Perry's and uh, and and Jeff and such King, like uh, Jake Turner, Jeff King, Connor Hall. Yeah, all all those guys, all the professional young professionals whose career has been unfairly stunted, in my personal view, mm-hmm. uh, by this embargo. And that's all great. But as you know, the, the nuts and bolts of it are that. The EFL is still going to have a very big say in what happens, what comes in, what goes out of Wanderers. Well, yeah, well, obviously Sam getting... Lavelle as well, isn't the, the, not not just the players that are still here now, a couple of the players that we've had to let go. 
because of the same reason we couldn't offer him first team football. Tanner, yeah. um, Lavelle, it's, it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 one of my big regrets, really, that, that we never got to, to write that story before Sam had actually left because we kind of half knew the situation. But it, it really has been like getting blood out of a stone, talking to the EFL and, and to get the actual kind of the, the, the real truth of the matter. And the EFL have, you know, no commented me more times than I guess to mention. Um, so, you know, him and uh, Hugo Tanner, uh, the, I think George Neal was in the same boat last last year. Um, you know, lads that were on a professional contract. You know, Will Yaskalainen, of course. Um, you know that they were just not allowed to play, and it's it's really cost them twelve months of their career. It's, it's a bit of a regret of mine that we we couldn't flag that out sooner because we just didn't know the absolute truth of it. Really, do you think they would have played had they not been, um, you know, not allowed to? Well, Lavelle was certainly on the verge. I know that at, at one point when we were speaking to to Phil Parkinson quite early in, in the season he was saying that he you know he's quite impressed with this lad and you know he's knocking on the door thought he would uh, be able to get him into a squad certainly for the cup games but obviously the EFL said differently and um, you know the rest is history but uh, you know whether the other ones would have followed I don't know I don't think it ever got that bad that we were naming sort of five or six substitutes but mm. um, certainly Lavelle was quite close Yeah I mean it's, I think that is the best news for us at the minute that the uh, you know we can finally get these young players in. As Chris said, we've lost Lavelle, lost Tanner, lost Samizade, even no matter, you know, even though he's a divisive figure. Um, but now, hopefully, we're not going to lose these lads. Are these lads um, ready to get signed on then? Is that going to be a thing that's happening in the next few weeks or so? Are the likes of King and Hall and White and Brock Bank and all those, Perry as well, are, they, are, they, are we going to be seeing, like on Tuesday, for instance, when we go to West Ham, is there a chance we'll be seeing them there? Uh, is there a chance professional contracts will be signed uh, in the near future? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the, the plan is to try and supplement the squad with the younger players. Uh, they, a few of them travelled uh, down to Ipswich probably to get a, a taste of things. I think a few of them will play from the start on on Tuesday night. Um, it sounds very much from from the way Bill Parkinson's talking and from the way some of the backroom are talking is that uh, you know they want to give a, a few of the senior players a rest and give themselves the best possible chance of the Brentford game. Um, you know whether that comes at a cost at West Ham. Whether it's the worth a worth a gamble, I probably think it is. But uh, it looks like they'll 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 make as many changes as, as possible. I think on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. We'll talk more about West Ham later. But you mentioned then a lot of um, about the restrictions are kind of um, you know football league uh, viewership that we still have over transfers and whatnot. What are these kind of restrictions and guidelines that the EFL or the yeah the EFL will still be um, kind of imposing on us? I wish I could tell you 100 percent that I, I can't. Uh, you know, I've, I've asked a million and one times from the AFL to make statements to to set it in stone. Um, the the last time we had any proper uh, clarification of kind of the rules, the, um, the sort of guidelines that were issued after some rule changes in the summer, um, they <laughs> they weren't made officially. They weren't made public knowledge, but they, we were given kind of this is this is what has happened. Um, within about 30 seconds, I had a set of Ken's notes telling me that uh, we were completely wrong and reporting erroneously. So um, it's it's become a very difficult uh, line to tread on that front because the EFL often say one thing, for example, that you know the embargo was 23 men, um, and yet you have the chairman of the football club saying 24 men. So it it, it really is. It's as clear as mud. Um, right now, I can't tell you for absolute certain how how much power the football league have 
Um, but we do have, uh, you know, a call in with Wanderers. I do want to sit Ken Anderson down and see how much um, he can, how much light he can shed on the subject. Cause, you know, he's been open and open so far. He's willing to talk, so it's only fair that we should uh, we should discuss this now. Do we know if the four and a half grand a week wage cap is still in place for this embargo lifted? Because I know that came in with some kind of confusion of what was if it was actually in place at all, if it didn't come in until next season, what it actually mm. meant and what it was a punishment for. So if, with the embargo, you know, in namesake gone, is that still in place? That four and a half. Grand I'm, grand I'm, I'm told not. I'm told that's one of the things that they they won't have to adhere to. Uh, but you know, <laughs> again, that was something that was completely denied uh, at the mm. time. Um, and and I, you know I've, I've had many conversations with Phil Parkinson. He was sat in a meeting and, and told completely out of the blue when that actually came into place this summer. And uh, you know it, it isn't it isn't very easy. It must be a nightmare to be a manager in these circumstances because the the rules seem to change um, with the wind. Um, it's certainly not easy to keep track for for supporters and for reporters. So it would be nice to get some clarity on exactly where Bolton Wanderers stand at the minute. Um, but from the, you know from the word in the club, the four thousand five hundred is is no longer applicable. So theoretically, they can offer contracts slightly better than that now, mm-hmm. with, as long as they maintain the 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 quota, which I think still stands. Yeah, as well as that, the, you know the big thing that's kind of been plaguing us is the limited squad, uh, as well as the youth players on the wage cap. Is this is the squad limited anymore? Is that squad limit gone okay so does that mean we can't well, bring other kids in because of there is no limit and thus the new signs which we'll discuss momentarily well th- th- that's that's it I, I, it's it sounds as if it's been relaxed um i i i'm hearing conflicting reports of that too so i don't want to say for certain that this is definitely the case um but uh, you know, the EFL have have kind of indicated that they will still have to give permission for signings to be made. Um, now you could argue that they always have to give permissions to, to to register players, so perhaps that's what they're getting at. But from the conversations I've had with them, that you know, I said, is it a free reign? Could Phil Parkinson turn around next week and sign five players? And I got told no. So. You know, again, it's, it's, it's as clear as mud. Mm-hmm. So it's still it's still shrouded in kind of uh, shadows and we don't really know what's going on. But the headline is that the embargo is over and that is at least some piece of good news for now. Which we can you know, we can take that and celebrate it because there isn't much more to celebrate thus far. But with all those restrictions lifted or changed or loosened, um, Bolton have been linked with two players uh, recently. Um, well, I've been linked with loads, but two kind of the ones that are sticking about a little bit. First of all, and we've talked about him a few times in this podcast already, but Mark, you've not had the chance to kind of air your views. Julio Baptista, we know he's been in the club, we know he's trained, you know he played for the under-23s. Is this move going to happen, and what do you think of it? Um, I'll, I'll go in reverse, because what I think of it, um, you know, if, if the club were, were not in any sort of kind of embargo, which... You know, let's let's for argument's sake say they can sign who they want to sign now and sign a few more players. Then I don't see any problem with it. You know, it's it's kind of a one of those kind of throwback signings. Why not give it a go? If if as long as you're not putting the club in any financial jeopardy by doing so, yeah, then it's a nice story, isn't it? Who would who wouldn't want somebody like that around? You know, it's 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 just a nice story. Um, Whether he can still puff Dickinson that, and from from what he's told me and what the backroom told me, you know the fella looks fit and he's he's willing to kind of prove himself. So from that respect, 
you know, why not give it a go? Do I think it'll happen? I, I'm, I'm still doubtful because I do think the manager wants a different type of player. Um, only, you know, the, you know the, the the kind of the midfield ball winner type. I can see Joey O'Brien. I'm sure that's the next question you'll probably ask. I can see Joey O'Brien. I can see why. I can see why they'd sign him. I could see why they'd go after a striker because I can, you know, I can see why there's a need for it. But Baptista seems seems to be a bit betwixt and between. But uh, I certainly, I, you can't possibly rule it out. Well, I was going to ask Chris. Um... It seems to be, especially with Hannibal Fonda last year, I know this Batista thing. Is there a danger that the kind of the ownership are signing players that are more to grab headlines and appease fans and keep them on side rather than actually sign the players that Parkinson wants? Yeah, it's that's long been a, a, a rumor, hasn't it? It's it's impossible for us to know, and I'd like to think that Parkinson, you know, yeah, you know, sign the players by all means, and I can't imagine that he would turn down the chance to have a, a better player than the standard that he's already got, but. It's when you start talking about boardroom uh, chairman or, or whoever's influencing maybe team selection that I wouldn't think he would stand for it because, you know, by all means bring in extra players, but don't be telling me who I can and who I can't pick. He, he seems to be. I, I hope he's that sort of character, Parker, that he wouldn't stand for that. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Matt? I, I, there's no no question. I think uh, that 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 Phil wouldn't stand for that sort of thing. Nor, and then this is absolutely bottom line. Ken doesn't interfere with that sort of thing. Okay, you know, okay. I, I've had a few conversations where you know the, the manager said, "Listen, he's, he's it's great to work with Ken Anderson because he, you know, he, he leaves us alone to do the football side of things, and he hasn't always had relationships like that with chairman in the past. If you look back to kind of Hull and Charlton days, where it started really sort of bleeding into one another, the, the managerial and the and the the, um, the boardroom type of stuff. Um, so I think he's quite quite happy with that relationship." Obviously, the kind of on the recruitment side of things, you know, Lee Anderson's input and such like it's it it's kind of stirred the stirred the sediment, so to speak, in 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 this in this uh, Baptista thing because obviously he's got a vested interest and he's, he's he's involved in the deal. If we didn't know anything about it, if this was a you know a, a signing was being made from outside, I doubt there'd be as much speculation as as much kind of uh, a conspiracy around it. Mm. Interesting, interesting. It's, a, it's certainly one that's kind of been de- uh, debated recently. As, as you just alluded to, Joey O'Brien, um, the re- return has been muted in the press in the last few uh, days and weeks. So, it'd be, I think it'd be a weird time. I believe, has he been aware of a club since the summer when he left West Ham, I guess? Or has he been at for a club longer than that? Summer before, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. It's over 12 months, I What's think. What's he been doing all this time? Like, surely he's not just been not playing for the past 18 months or so. I, th- I think he's had a bit of an injury. Um, which, obviously... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the red, red flag right there. Um, I think he's just trying to trying to kind of find his level again because I don't think he was going to get another contract like the one he was on at West Ham. Um, so I think increasingly with players when they come off thirty grand a week contracts, it, it's very difficult pill to uh, swallow to, to to drop down and, and to be looking at something that Bolton would offer, for example, or or, or someone uh, of the similar ilk. Um, I had a conversation with a guy who sits near me, Mark, if you don't mind me interrupting, about Spearing. Oh, he, was, he was much of the opinion that, you know, well, this was last week, you know, four and a half grand a week is better than no grand a week. We were talking about Spearing and his wages. And, and I argued it's, it's probably not, to be honest, you know, it's probably worth them hanging on, waiting to see if somebody will pay them what they think they're worth or what they used to being paid, as opposed to taking, you know, a quarter of what you were on last time. 
Well, to, to to you and me, Chris, I mean, four and a half grand a week would be mm. fantastic. It's 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 nearly half of what I'm on now, so it's it'd be <laughs> it'd be you know that that kind of ballpark figure. But to these guys, that's probably what they're making interest a week. You know, it's yeah. it's really uh, it's a different world. They're they're not sort of living hand to to mouth. Um, it's it's. It's worth them. And they've got their agents in their ear as well, of course. You know, I can get you a deal. I can get you a deal. Bear with me type of thing. So, um, I don't know. I think sometimes you, you you find out a bit about players when they're sort of kicking their heels and, and waiting for, for bigger deals to come. Usually the hungrier ones um, don't mind swallowing their pride a bit and, and going dropping down the level. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 31 now, Joey O'Brien, Chris. Uh, I guess if he was brought in, he'd be brought in to kind of replace Spain and that ball-winning midfielder. Um, holding screen in the defence type thing, which we clearly need with the uh, with any lack of protection for the defence so far this season. Do you see the signing happening? Would you be in support of it? Um, I don't know how how good he would be as a midfielder. I'm talking about from from remembering the first time round and a little bit of his time at West Ham. It must be I don't know five or six years since he played in midfield, if not longer. In fact, it may even be longer than that because he played in midfield for Bolton, you know, from time to time. Um, when he first started, Besiktas away, for example, a couple of little games like that, he played in midfield. But predominantly, he was a right back, and he was a right back at West Ham as well. So yeah, you know, in theory, that sort of player is what we need. I've said this on the last podcast that Jay Spearing type, not necessarily Jay Spearing, but someone who can add a bit of bite to what's a bit of a lightweight midfield, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely, if that's if that's what it is, and obviously he he, he fits the budget, doesn't he? And he fits the, the bill of what we're looking for. In he's cheap, he's available, and he's willing to come. Uh, and he's got a bit of a bit of a, something to prove, which you know Buckley is probably a good example as well as somebody's had his injuries over time, and we'll be looking to come in and correct that. So I'd be all up for it because you know when he was younger, he was highly thought of as a defensive midfielder, much in the way that, that Josh Feller was, for example, when he first came through the ranks. You know, tough tackling, decent on the ball, but you know he's had his problems. He's, he's not really played too much in this position, so I'd, there'd be a couple of question marks against it. But at this minute in time, I don't think beggars can be choosers. Especially not in terms of that position. Well, that is a problem as it is. But I think for me, I said already suffering a long injury, already being injury prone as we know from this time here, and with our just fucking curse of injuries at the minute, I'd be hesitant to get such an injury prone player in, Mark. But what do you what do you think? Would you bring him in? Well, I mean, it, you'd have to get some sort of guarantees medically as best as you can possibly do. Um, obviously, you look at. Joe's history and I don't know what the injury he had most recently that stopped him getting a club but that might alter my thinking slightly but um, no I mean unfortunately fishing, fishing from such a shallow pool people think it's, you know, it's championship manager and, and you can kind of search for these uh, these bargains that are available for a free all the way through through the season and they can do a job for you but really you know the, the, it's such such a limited number of players that Bolton are looking at at the moment that, that could possibly uh, sign on the budget they've got They've all. They're all going to have their 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 limitations or their their gambles. And and Joey's is obviously uh, a history of injury problems. But um, you know, people are out of contract for a reason at this minute in time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as we said, there's been kind of an injury curse already so far this season. About a quarter of the squad of the available playing squad um, in the run up to Saturday's game against Ipswich were unavailable or doubtful or whatever. And how much of a problem is this going to be going on, Mark? Because like. You know, Vela's out, uh, we've had injuries to so many different players. 
is it going to cost us having like such a small squad with no depth? Thankfully, as we said, we'll be able to supplement the squad with youth players now, but they're inexperienced. Is all these injury curves and how how do we get so many injuries? Like it's been a bad thing since literally like two years since Holden pretty much is when it became noticeable. Like two years before we got relegated, we've had so many injuries and we get so many so often. Like what is the problem? I don't understand. I, I tell you what. Dan, it, it, it does feel like that, and I, I totally agree with you, but this conversation is had at every single yeah, one of the sure 90 is, football. Yeah. Honestly, it, you know, every club thinks they're the, the doomed one once you, you, you kind of examine it. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've had, they've had a bad run. I agree kind of with, with the youth players now being able to figure uh, and the potential of bringing in a couple of free agents. That's that's the, the, the immediate aim now, just to make sure that they've got that little bit of extra cover now for certain positions uh, so that the, the injuries don't hit them quite as hard as they have done. But, mm-hmm. you know, Sammy's on his way back. Josh is on his way back. Will Buckley's scan showed last week it wasn't a, a, a bad thing and it shouldn't be long before he's back. So, you know, I, I think the cavalry's coming a little bit on that front. So, um, you know, all the doom and gloom about injuries, I think it's, it's starting to subside now. Mm-hmm. How's Derek's injury? Given the, t- given the team we had last year, though, if you'd have said even at the start of the season, if you're going to lose two out of perhaps the four most influential players in Vela and Wheater, um, for for a reasonable amount of time, then I don't think this start would really come as much of a surprise. It's two of our most important players were missing probably for the first what between them two months, something like that. I know Wheat has come back more recently than Vela, but these are huge players as far as we're concerned. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, uh, it, uh, and this isn't meant to be harsh at all, but this surprise this this start hasn't come as any surprise to me. I didn't expect. You know, three or four wins at the first eight games. Um, I, I quite expected it to be like this, and um, I'm not kind of gloating in any way, shape, or form. I just thought this is this is going to be the season. It's not. It's it's, it's not going to be. You know, three or four wins on the bounce and and teetering in mid table. I think it's going to be a real grind. It's going to be hard work, and if they can finish 21st, I'll be absolutely elated because uh, it will represent success to me. So. Uh, the injuries don't help. Absolutely not. It's, it's a slim squad, but um, I, I think you've got to battle on through it. How How's Derek doing? Uh, I think, like everybody else, I'm just following his Twitter. Um, <laughs> to be, he, he's uh, he gives better updates than the medical staff do. I think on his on his fitness, but it looks like a few weeks, doesn't it, on his groin? Um, so you know, I, I, you know, I want I want to see him back involved because he was just just starting to knock on the door and, and look yeah. like he was going to get regular place. As is the way, as is the way. I remember actually you saying then how uh, every team thinks of the cursed ones. I remember the start of last season, I tried like, doing an injury tally for how many times a player like, went off injured or was like a week out or so, was injured for some time, some at the time. I got, I think I got fairly high up. I, I think I only lasted about three or four games because you forget as you do. But I must have got at least into like past 15, I reckon, after about four or five games, as is our way. Just niggly injuries and people going off all the time. It's just... Yeah, man. When it when, when it rains, it pours, as they say. But Chris, before we go into the break uh, of this podcast, because the breaks are returning before we're joined by uh, another special guest, um, you want to talk about the supporters' trust and its standing <coughs> fans and stuff mm. that I don't really know because I can't be asked following it. So you tell me. Yeah. So you know, obviously, we're knocking social media on the head. I've got a hell of a lot of time on my hands, and that means that you, you spend you know the afternoon here and there, the hour at work. Don't don't tell the bosses trawling couple of Bolton forums, just see what's going on in the world. and It surprised me every single time I read messages, and I guess it's the same on 
Twitter, Facebook, etc. Mark, maybe the responses to you might be the same. And how poorly the supporters' trust is perceived by seemingly by a, you know a large number, large large number of the fans. Um, and fair enough, those that complain on the internet maybe make up a small majority. But um, I'm just curious as to what Mark maybe thought as, as to how the supporters' trust is coming across, what they could maybe do to to rectify that. Um, and I'll, I'll go on a little bit further once, once you've had a chance to answer. But I find it really interesting because it came in and there's such a blaze of glory. And within a couple of weeks of it being formed, it, it kind of had its legs chopped out beneath it when the, t- the takeover took place. And ever since then, there's been a you know a perceived anti-Ken, shall we say, um, attitude from the supporters' trust, from the, the people in power. Um, do you think that's do you think that's true? Uh, I mean, if, if you want to take you know, abstain from that, because it's quite I realise it's quite a you know, a reasonable accusation to make, Mark. But I'd just be curious to know where you stand on all that. Well, I, I think, yeah, I, I can. I, I understand the perception. Certainly, um, you know, there's there's been mistakes made. I think sometimes in the communication uh, in that kind of middle period, but after the takeover and but before the kind of new guys came in with the supporters' trust and um, yeah, I can I can see how the perception is at times, but. It's it's all about motive, isn't it? I suppose if 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 you feel that the supporters' trust don't have the right motives, then I suppose you're within your rights to complain. I personally think they're doing what they feel they need to do to to safeguard the club. Um, you know, there there is no uh, ownership objective at the moment. For example, I think they're trying to uh, they're trying to kind of repair a little bit of the damage, perhaps the the, the new uh, the new chairman and the new kind of structured board um but certainly after the uh after the initial groundswell of support there was there were a few problems i think behind the scenes for them i think there was a a few uh it, it got it got it got thrown together in such a a, a fast way that i think there was always going to be problems you know, there was always going to be people with different ideas on how it should be run, and I think that did eventually cause them issues further down the line. Um, but I do think the sports trust is extremely important that they have it and that they, they stick with it and that people stick with it because I think down the line, you know, and it could be a long way down the line, it will be important, it will be important to have that structure there. Um, and I think it's extremely important for the supporters to have a body that, that, represents them full stop whether it be on the board or whether it be as a um you know a a, a safeguard a safety net safety net rather or you know just as just as a moral chris since we just lost mark in amazing fashion do you want to talk about the trust a little bit i think we got the gist of mark's point we'll try and get him back on but you, you talk about the trust. What yeah, do you think of all this. I'll let you work on that. Um, I agree with him. You know what he was saying about how you know at some point down the line they may well come to be, you know, a powerful body to be a, a more relevant body. But at the same time, I, I think the criticism levied against the, the supporters' trust thus far is perfectly perfectly fair. To be honest, I mean, we know you and I having had a lad who, who writes for us, Johnny. I don't think he'll mind me out in him. It was a part of the part of their social media team for example and it's something that's so important these days and Johnny's such an expert at that and he was got rid of pretty much without ceremony taken over by you know whoever knows who uh, and I think that so that since then 
and not that Johnny is the absolute king of social media, though he, you know, he probably thinks he is. <laughs> their, I think their communications have been pretty poor. Yeah, it was pretty obvious on, on the whole. After Johnny's departure. yeah, the check that absolutely the change in tone, the change in timing, the the effectiveness of the message they're trying to get across has been has been diluted unbelievably. So, and I think that's contributed to the you know the feelings that some people have far and wide on the internet that the supporters trust is is a an anti Ken Anderson organisation. I don't know whether they are, whether they aren't. I think, however, that if you were to take that point of view and believe it, I think there's there's quite a bit of evidence there to you know to back up that feeling. It's any sort of conspiracy. If you look at any sort of conspiracy theory, if you look hard enough, you know you can see the evidence that you want to see. And I don't think they help themselves, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the the way that the, the chairman Daniel conducts himself online, I think, is provocative. I think it's unnecessarily so. Um, and I think there's lessons that they could they could learn from um, other other supporters' trusts. I mean, the little experience I have with the Portsmouth one, for example, they seem to be universally loved. There doesn't seem to be that much <clears throat> uh, op- opposing messages within their fan base in the same way that we see with the Bolton one. I mean, some of the messages I read online are regarding Daniel Izzo. Uh, you know, he, he, instead of engaging with people as the as the chairman, he he blocks messages that he doesn't want. He doesn't uh, blocks people who put over messages that he doesn't agree with. Well, you know, that's his prerogative. It's his own personal account. But I should think he should be he would be a little bit more accountable and prepared to engage with skeptics because then how else is he going to win people over unless he unless he engages with them and tries to win them round? If he then just buries his head in the sand and sort of puts his fingers in his ears saying la 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 not listening, whenever anyone criticizes him, I think it only adds further fuel to the fire. So I think it's a mistake, um, the way they've conducted themselves so far. I think, you know, the they couldn't wait, for example, to send out that message on promotion within you know a couple of minutes. Was getting that win against Peterborough, but then you know they they, they spent 24 hours ruminating on Ken Anderson's takeover before issuing you know a, a tweet regarding that. I mean, some people might look at it and think, well, it's only a tweet. What difference does it make? But in this day and age, I think appearance is everything. And if you're not going to be consistent in your approach, you're not going to consistently either back, um, you know, praise slag off whatever you want to do then I think it hurts you and the public relations side of things with the supporters trust has been has been pretty average for at least 12 months and I don't know how they can redeem themselves other than you know trying to engage more I mean the, the tweets that they send out on a daily basis about players birthdays and so on yeah you know people can take the mickey out of it it's a bit of fun but it's a missed opportunity with every single tweet they send out that's not related to issues I mean for example take the the, the ticket pricing Ticket prices that we faced away from home, you know, thirty, forty pound a ticket in certain occasions. That would be the sort of issue that I would expect the supporters trust to take up on behalf of the fans. Not, and they don't seem to do. They don't, unless I've missed something. They don't seem to be engaging with that kind of, of issue. But that's something that, pra- that realistically affects Bolton fans on a daily basis because mm-hmm. ticket prices in this league are bizarre. They're so expensive. I mean, we're guilty of charging away fans daft amounts of money, in my opinion. But you know, what what fantastic PR that could be if, if one of the things one of the causes they took up was fighting for I don't know a 20 or 25 quid cap in the league I know there's been a reciprocal agreement amongst a lot of clubs about a maximum amount that they'll charge for tickets I don't know if we're part of that you know I don't know if we've signed up for it this is the sort of cause that they should be fighting not individual battles against the chairman which you know let's face it no matter what your opinion is against uh, of, of Ken at this minute in time you're not going to win because he's the man in charge, he's the man in power. Surely the best thing to do would be to sort of band, almost band together, yeah. put whatever differences you've got to one side and just mm-hmm. work for the common good. Yeah. 
I mean, from from my personal point of view, I've met him a couple of times. He's always been perfectly nice to me. You know, whether I trust, don't trust, like or dislike it, it doesn't matter. He's the man that's in charge. He's the man that's got the he's had his finger on the trigger as far as Parky goes, as far as the finances goes. You know, and then my personal thoughts and feelings are neither here nor there in terms of the guy. But all you can do, I think, at times is 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 put that dislike either to one side or to park it, you know, so to speak, and just to get on with it because he's clearly not going anywhere until the right person comes in. And I've said all along, he might well be a hard-nosed get, but in this situation we're in, we need that. We've had the Eddie Davies ruling with his heart, not his head sort of management. And look where look where it's got us. Mm-hmm. I think bringing in somebody that rule, that's the opposite, that rules with his head and not his heart, it could well be what we need, and maybe his methods rub people the wrong way. You know, he's done things that I don't necessarily like. You know, the spirit of openness that everyone seems to love so much. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't want to know the ins and outs. You know, his arguments with Heath Coates, his disagreements with women blogs. You know, keep that to yourself, or, or keep it to between the people involved. But ultimately, he'll he'll be judged by what happens when it what he'll be judged by what happens when he leaves. And whether we're any closer to that or not, I don't know. We'll maybe have to speak to Mark and get him back in a bit. I'm uh, here. I'm here. I'm here. You're here. There you go. Actually, I put you off. Were you just talking because you think you was covering? <laughs> I thought Honestly, you put down on me to be honest. <laughs> that's a very good speech. I feel like I'm fucking. I want to go it's and a, fucking raise an army and defeat. It's a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's a bit of both. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, you've just got to, at times you've just got to kind of put any personal petty squabbles to one side and just think, you know, Christ, if we were winning on the pitch, there wouldn't be any arguments or any disagreements or any question about whether you're you're pro or anti Ken. And I think it's a bit daft that people get or people get labelled in that way, you know, that, that there's got to be one or the other. There can't just be a Bolton fan. You know, it'd be nice if we could just get back to enjoying football and not being pro or anti the chairman. Uh, years, though, and who knows if we have Yeah. Won. But yeah. That, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, Chris, and I apologise for going on that's at length. So it's that, quite no. all right. That's quite all right. But that is the end of part one of this episode of Pod. We'll be back momentarily with another special guest, so stick around. Welcome back, everybody. I'm still here. Chris is still here, and Mark is also still here. But joining us now for this part two of the Love Pod is Mr. It's the fucking brilliantly named... Uh, Benjamin <laughs> Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast, an Ipswich Town fan, who's obviously hopefully not going to rub it in too much to us this week. But Ben joins us now. Ben, how are you? Hi, everyone. I'd like to dedicate uh, Saturday's victory to Barry Knight. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Cut him off, Dan. Cut him off. Cut him off. Right, Cut I him off even, now. I was born then, Dan, who that is. Right. See you later. It's short-lived. It's nice having you on. See you soon. Blots. So, Sorry. Hi everyone. Best, I think that's the best introduction the podcast ever had. Like, what a way to what a way to introduce yourself um, to the famous true, and nice Bolton fan base. True heel. Mate, you're fucking now. Nah, you redeemed yourself by knowing the terminology. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> ben, you're an Ipswich fan. I presume you were at the game on Saturday. I was. What that? That's good. So we could talk about it. Bolt, uh, Ipswich won two 0 It was fairly run of the mill. I think. Every Bolton fan did not expect to win here because we never beat Ipswich. And I, the, the, like even at home, like we'd always fuck up. I remember Adam Bogdan um, let McGoldrick slip through his legs once and put one in. Like we never do well against Ipswich, and we didn't do well this time either. Did Ipswich just dominate us? Or were we all right? No, 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 not at all. Um, so basically, the first uh, 10, 20 minutes was utter 
turgid uh, drivel um, with both sides playing three centre-backs and neither wing-back on either side went forward. So you basically had like flat-back fives on oh. both teams. Um, Bolton actually edged the first half. Noon had a couple of um, long-range efforts. Medine had a really good kind of swervy effort. And um, basically we made a sub at half-time and then scored straight after half-time. So then you were on top for the next 10 minutes. So after about an hour, if I was a Bolton fan, I would be a little bit, well, they made a good sub and scored immediately when they were on top. And we were the better side for the last, I'd say, 25 minutes. But no, we played right into your hands. Um, you <laughs> and dropped, dropped off. It. And basically, yeah, we, um, and after we went well, one nil up, you had a really good chance that fell to Wheater, and I think if it had been an attacking midfielder or a forward, you'd have put that one in. And also, Medine had one where he was pretty much clear, but I think he thought he was offside and everyone stopped. And he tried a kind of fancy lob when he should have put his foot through it. And so he had two really good chances at, at one nil, and then we were probably the better side for the for the final twenty minutes. Oh, yeah, our, our defenders are our defenders are better finishes than the forwards from time to time, Ben. So don't think there's a if it had been a midfield, it might have been any different. There's no guarantee of that. I promise you. Yeah, it's a... no, it's one of those weird ones where um, you were you were quite defensive, and there's an argument if you'd have had a bit more adventure, um, could you have done more? But then would we have picked you off if you'd have if you'd have come out a bit more? It's one of those it's one of those ones hard to say. But no, we do, we did not. We did not dominate, and that's been that's been us all season. We've we've won five games now and um, been very very efficient without kind of dominating. I think we've got some ridiculous shots. The goals ratio as well. We've not had many shots and scored quite a few goals. So no, there, it wasn't all bad from a from a Bolton point of view. Mm-hmm. Mark, you were there, obviously. Um, you missed your son's birthday. Yeah. I saw your tweet. I like I'm sure that was worth it. Bloody did. <laughs> I've paid for that today as well. Oh, bloody hell. Well, <laughs> happy birthday to your lad. But you went to Ipswich. Would you echo Ben's thoughts? How did you think Bolton did? Yeah, I'm, I, I, it was Bob on what he said there, really. Uh, Selena's introduction at the break kind of just changed things a little bit for Ipswich. They were very, uh, very straightforward first half. Bolton, you know, had a, had a few kind of half chances. But um, it was those once... once uh, Skews's goal went in with with a, a massive deflection. Um, the, the reaction was pretty good from Bolton's point of view. Medine got in Wheater's way for the uh, for the one he should have scored, and and, and as Ben rightly says there, he, uh, Medine should have put his foot through the uh, the second chance they had. It was only when they started messing around with the shape really went went to a four four two late on uh, that things started falling apart and, and Parkinson started lumping on Armstrong and Lafondre and, and it, and it all started coming undone a little bit and, and Ipswich were, were just happy to sit and then hit on the break and, and McGoldrick was having a field day. So, um, it's a shame really, because I thought the shape three, four, three from the start was working quite well for Bolton. It's as, as adventurous as I think they've been this season. Um, and I'd like to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Ben, there's been like a trend recently. I, I, I don't know if it's Conte bringing it um, last season and being so successful, but it's been here for a few years or so now. Three at the backs kind of really getting popularised in the Championship and all of England. And what do you think of it? Like, what, Ipswich was usually such a pragmatic 4-4-2 straight down the line type of team under Mick McCarthy. No kind of changing it a bit. 
what what do you reckon of like the free the you know the three five two formation or three four three and how it's being used by clubs who probably you wouldn't um, kind of associate as being exotic enough to try fancy formations like that. Well, I totally agree with you. Um, I think what happens with tactics sometimes is someone comes in and does a tactic well, then a few other people do it, and then other people have to react to it. You know, the spare man at the back as opposed to in uh, in midfield. Um, we first tried it at QPR, um, the first game of this calendar year, actually. And the worst possible thing happens every time we play 3-5-2. We have a bad first half. Then Mick changes it back to 4-4-2. And then exactly what happens on... Um, on Saturday happens, we're then better 4-4-2. I think it suits our players better, but Mick doesn't know how to coach it because with 3-5-2, your three most important players are your two wing-backs and your number 10, your spare guy in midfield. And I think because he's so kind of, like you said, pragmatic, he doesn't... When he sees the wing-backs going forward, his first instant is to tell them to get back. And... You know, the midfielders are all fairly scared of going forward as well. So I think we've got the players to do it. And sometimes we line up well against um, other teams with it. But I don't know if we know how to coach it. And every time we we try it, we then go to four and it seems to be better. And of course, you can get that dirge that we got for the first 20 minutes on Saturday where both teams are playing it. Neither team's wing-backs are going forward yeah. and you just get this wall wall of five at the back. It's like two trenches side standing and... off against each other. No, no moving, just yeah, straight ab- Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Mark? I, want, I once heard, sorry, just to interrupt there, just, okay. I once heard the whole of Molyneux, what, the whole of Molyneux sing 4-4-2 to Mick McCarthy uh, in, in his uh, in his Wolves days. It's obviously followed him around quite a bit because he was trying to play three at the back there and the, the whole stadium just stood up and started shouting 4-4-2 four, four, at him, which went down like a... You know, fart the worst thing you it. can do to Mick McCarthy <laughs> is tell him what you think because that's Absolutely. the one way to guarantee that he's, he's not going to do it. Then he's like the most stubborn set in his ways manager you'll <laughs> ever see in your life. Actually, I... I <laughs> I say that, but he it, and and then on Saturday, obviously, he changed it and put a winger on and you know played four four two. So I'm I'm saying it vaguely tongue in cheek, but mm. yeah. So, Mark Bolton kind of changed to a three five two last year in reaction to injuries, especially like Laurie. Was it? It might I think it was Laurie Wilson, yeah. And when he had to bring yeah. Felipe Moraes in to play right wing back, um, and he stuck with it this year, apart from one game earlier a few weeks ago when he did change back to a four-two-three-one, and that didn't work. And I think the three-five-two came back in that same game. Where do you see Bolton with this formation? Do you think he'll persevere a bit longer? Is he just using it because there's nothing else? We don't have enough depth, but we have full-backs now for the first time in a while, like two on each side. Um, could we kind of revert more back to the four-five-two that served him so well? Like our best football last year was in that November spell when. Amiobi, Vela and Clough were playing behind Medine in the 4-2-3-1 and everything was going swimmingly. And do you think mm. you, do you envisage a return to that formation or what do you think of the, the three at the back? What, what were the first two in those three plays well, you said there? That is the issue. Well, three, all three <laughs> of them aren't available at this moment in time, are they? You know, Amiobi's well, injured, uh, Vela's injured and Clough's obviously having a lovely time all over at Forest. So that is when, an issue. When those two come back, you'll see 4-2-3-1. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, you know, the backup 
is three four three. It's not three five two. Uh, three five two is like third place, I think, in his list of formations. Yeah. It's just that, that's just how he's had to handle the the injury situation uh, until Moraes and Noon were fit enough to play. Um, the way he set up at the weekend is the same way as he set up at Fleetwood in pre-season. If anybody saw that game. Um, and it was uh, well, you had three up front and three at the back, which was quite adventurous, I think, for a, for a Phil Parkinson team. Um, and it left them a bit open in midfield at times, if I'm honest, and, and it, which exploited it a couple of times when they gave the ball away in daft areas. But um, I think that's kind of the, the alternate formation, the, the first one being once Vela gets in there to play number 10 um, and Amiobi to play either side, whether it be from, you know, for Moraes or for Noon, then I think that's going to be what he wants to play first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you reckon to the three at the back of your fan? It depends on your three, doesn't it? I mean, wing-backs are all well and good, and I thought versus Sheffield, Little and Robinson were really, really good. Um, I really enjoyed how attacking they were. And, and I don't see the point in playing Medine if we're just going to have Two centre halves or a right back pumping the ball up to him. You may as well make it an attacking, an attacking approach and have them getting beyond the midfielder or, or you know or supporting the midfielder in front of them and let them put some crosses in because we we know full well that Medin can hold the ball well up, up very well, but we don't necessarily put the ball to his head in an attacking um, point of view on the pitch. So it just all seems a bit pointless to me. If you're going to play three at the back then have your wing-backs be attacking wing-backs, whether that's Little, Marace, Robinson, whoever else. It doesn't matter to me. I don't want to see wing-backs where they're primarily uh, centre-backs, like Pulis, for example, when he plays his four centre-backs across the across the line. Or if you're playing five um, across five, five defenders with two being wing-backs, that they're defensive-minded. You may as well do what City do, where they play Mendy and Walker as, right-back, as full-backs, uh, bombing up the line. I know it's an extreme comparison to what we've got, but that's the mentality. I'd rather your, your two wing backs um, undertook because it gives you far more far more options in flooding the midfield and supporting the centre forward, and also in giving ammunition to someone like Medina. Bless him, you know, with the ball at his feet, you know, he's, he's neither in or there. But in in the air is where he really excels, and I think we're not taking advantage of, of that enough in an attacking sense. We are in terms of keeping possession because that's how we pump the ball forward. But He's never going to score 25 yards from goal with his head. You may as well put him in the box and just see what he can do. Absolutely. It's something I kind of um, kind of broached and thought about last week, Mark. It's, I, I've come around on Medine. I admire him for what he's done last year. I, I see, obviously, his uh, undeniable kind of uh, benefit to the squad and what he brings to the team. But so far this season, the hoofball kind of, you know, route one tactic, whatever you want to call it, to Medine simply hasn't. Words and he's not. It's not on him. He's done all he can. He's worked hard as ever. He's been putting himself about. He's scored a couple of goals, but it's just not working. Is there any kind of maybe uh, thinking into maybe starting Lafondra and Armstrong up front? Because I was thinking last week how Lafondra's best time at Bolton on his first loan spell, he was playing up front with uh, a you know a small kind of more creative forward just behind him in Clough and maybe playing a kind of similar partnership could be a way to reignite Lafondre and get some goals out of him because one thing we do need is goals yeah it's a, it's a possibility isn't it I mean uh, I, I think Chris hit on part of the problem with Medine there is is that if, if all you're relying on is your, your right back or your centre half putting those diagonal balls onto him you need to get people around him and there hasn't been enough of that um, I think that changed a bit at the weekend with, with Maurice and, and, and Noon pushed on 
and they were a lot closer and, and it, you know that kind of thing works for me but if you're not if you're not doing that then why not I, you know I, I do think Alfie deserves a shot um, in some way shape or form I think he'll play Tuesday night so that gives him a good audition um, Armstrong hasn't quite done it for me yet if I'm honest uh, you know he's, he looks willing he looks he looks too willing if I'm honest to score uh, you know he snatched another one at the weekend uh, against Ipswich so you know, I, I don't think necessarily the, the two of them deserve to start together, but I would like a, a better look at Adam LaFondra. I don't think he's necessarily the, the answer to everybody's problems, but he'll he'll certainly give it a go. Mm, I, I do, you think there's a, do you think there's a possibility we could we could double down and go with Wilbraham and Medine? You know, have one or the other players the deep line forward in terms of getting their head on the ball and you know, bringing it down and bringing it into play. And then, well, well, you know what? Yeah, should we sign Rory Delat to put the long throw? Yeah, (laughs) you know what? If 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 we're gonna go full on fucking Pulis, then let's just go for. We'll play four centre halves. We'll play a a centre half in net, and we'll play three three centre halves up front. Of Medine, Wilbraham, and Baptista. (laughs) Oh, Dan, the world would tilt on its fucking axis. Listen to you, just because you got published in the blizzard using words like trifecta. I don't know who you think you are. <laughs> oh, shut up, you. What, yeah, what do you think of that then, Mark? Instead of going kind of small and uh, nimble, going just for fucking brute force? Um, yeah, well, that, I mean, make social, it makes social media interesting that <laughs> uh, that evening, let's put it that way. Um, no, I think I think it's it's more likely to go the other way and to to, to look at Alfie and Medine or or look at a front two. But I do think that he he wants to either play four two three one if if Vela and Amiopi are back, or the system they played at the weekend and having the kind of the two wingers pushed on alongside Medine, mm. um, just leaving them with one less uh, player or one fewer player in midfield midfield rather. Mm. Benjamin, you had the pleasure of watching Bolton. On Saturday, and as this is a Bolton podcast, were there any particular Bolton players that stood out, either in a bad way or a good way? Any players that kind of caught your eye? Yeah. Um, so, Weeter in this division, we had Christoph Berra. Oh, yeah. Weeter will actually be really good for you in this division because um, it's it's not that sophisticated football, and every team has a big. Um, I remember Berra and Roberts for Barnsley last year having just ridiculous aerial stats. So. Um, I think they'll be fine. Um, I think Noon will be a good a good player for, for you guys. He's always done well against us, and he was the one who found himself um, free quite a lot. I really agreed when you were talking about the 4-2-3-1 because I didn't really see Cullen and Karakan kind of... They're not going to bust forward and score loads of goals for you. So your, your probably creative play is going to come from Marace and uh, Noon and... Um, the chap Vela when he gets back. I do. I feel a bit sorry for Medine because he actually gave Chambers quite a good game, our captain. But you're totally right. There was no one near him. You were you were playing balls up to him, and I think Parkinson was telling Morace and uh, Noon to cover back when he didn't have the ball. So when you played the quick ball forward, there was there was no one near him. But then that said, when you're up front and um, on your own and you get put clean through, you have to score because. You know you're going to get very limited chances, and you've got to be, got to be um, prolific. But I think um, I think in this division, like I say, it's not sophisticated football, and you've got a big centre half, you've got a powerful forward, and you've got a nippy player like Noon. If the rest of your team's functional, and you kind of stick with that, you. Do- 
you know, I've I seen Brighton get promoted and everyone's all on about Knockart and Stevens and whatnot. Brighton were direct. You know, they, they got it forward. They got it forward early. It's not it's not sophisticated football. And um, I, I just felt you're a bit too defensive. I, I okay. felt that um, it was three centre backs, then two wing backs tucked back. And the, you, you say three, four, three. Well, that was often five, four, one yeah. when yeah. you didn't have the ball. That and it's like, yeah. you know, um, I, I felt that you know, because of the, you know, the lack of points on the board, I felt you were a bit negative. And I suspect now this um, embargo's gone and we play you end of January, I suspect you'll be a lot more um, competitive. Not not in, a, not in that you weren't competitive kind of pound for pound, but ad- adventurous, let's say, in, okay. in the next game, I reckon. So There's more options would be nice, wouldn't it, rather than just the, the, the punt up field and see what happens. Yeah, and I always, I, I've got to say, I can't stand Wilbraham. He used to play for Norwich, and I saw him play for Bristol City last year, and Bristol City had Abraham up front with him, and you could just see Abraham rolling his eyes, kind of going, please put me next to someone better, <laughs> better than this. He's just a big battering ram. I think um, I think uh, Lafondra and Armstrong, but again, they were played as inverted wingers, weren't they? And it's like, that's not... That's not their game. They're, mm-hmm. you know, play off the big guys. So I think there's, I think there's tools there for, for, for Bolton. But until he, until he happens on a, on a system. And Chris was telling me on, on Friday how much you miss Feller and kind of play through him. But um, it's not, it's not the most sophisticated league in the world. And I think, I think you do okay. Well, as you said, it's not sophisticated. Ipswich. Despite being, you know, a Mick McCarthy side, who are not exactly renowned for their flair or whatever like that, you find yourself up in fifth place on 15 points, joint with Sheffield United and uh, Preston. Even though you've played a game less than every team around you, win you win your game in hand and you go top by a point. <laughs> which, which, yeah, well, that's shortest point. You had a great start for the season as well, and I think first four games unbeaten or whatever it was. Why are you all of a sudden doing so well after quite a turgid kind of middle-of-the-road dull campaign last year? Um, there's a few reasons. If you look at the teams we've beaten, actually, if you look at the bottom of the table, we've beaten Birmingham, uh, Brentford, we've beaten... Oh, Millwall are all right, actually. Millwall's quite a difficult game. Um, who's the other one at the bottom we've beaten? Bolton. Oh, crikey. Uh, Bolton, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've, we've beaten teams that have started badly um we've been typical McCarthy where you get these statisticians and they they look at the stats and they're like how do Ipswich win they have less possession they have less chances I think I think we're quite horrible to to play against um and I think it's been a bit of a perfect we've we've been fairly lucky we had this weird game you talked about Pulis playing four centre-backs we had no centre-backs against um Brentford and Fulham, and we actually kept a clean sheet against Brentford, but Brentford are literally the most overplay, tippy-tappy, you know, team you'll ever play against, so they, they create loads of chances and never score. Um, I'm waffling now, I'm rambling. We've been, I think it's a mixture of playing teams in a bad moment, uh, okay. luckily for us. We've got Leeds away next, so right. yeah. Well, a test. yeah well, we've got Brentford yeah. at home, Ben. We've got Brentford at home, so we'll see if the truth, uh, if you're true in oh, what God, you're saying. Sit, sit back on the edge of the penalty box, leave leave Medina up front, try and keep a clean sheet and score on the break. That's how everyone's... everyone's and Perfect. Brentford have obviously had a load of their players pilfered um, 
Dean, Colin and Yotta have all gone to to Birmingham. Mm. And I, I love the Brentford fans. We have the Besotted guys on our podcast, but they have a very high opinion of the way they play. And this is the championship, man. It's points on the board. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of teams that go through the championship and just grind out one goal wins yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. And... and I think honestly, think that's the way that's the way through it, rather than tippy tappy. Yeah, it was passing. all well and good for Brentford when they were getting to the playoffs, and, you know, playoffs and doing well and had really good players. But now they've lost most of the attacking flair. That was kind of notable, and you know, they're still did not what the three points above us and went you know relegation class on, class on Saturday. Who could you, could you see winning, winning that one? Since you've seen both of the uh, both the teams in all the splendour. Um, it just depends. If you get the best of Bolton, these the worst of Brentford, i.e., you know, Bolton being nice and direct, get Medine one on one, get Noon on the ball in the in the final third, get Wheater against their their forward players, you'll you'll have a chance. If you get the worst of Brentford tapping it about and playing lovely passing and not doing it, they'll just play in front of you, then you'll have a chance. Obviously if Brentford play well and they click, mm. they'll They'll beat most. They'll beat most teams, other than sort of uh, Fulham, who are probably the only other team who, if you go toe to toe, would out football uh, Brentford. Um, when does Vela come back? That's a question for Mark. Mark, yeah. Uh, well, he's back. He's back running. Probably be a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you, you, I, I think you, you kind of you kind of miss him a little bit. But it's it's the Championship, man. Uh, Burton beat Fulham on. <laughs> on Saturday so and Fulham when I saw Fulham beat Ipswich a couple of weeks ago Fulham were awesome they were in, they were incredible and you take out Kearney and Bosch and it's the same with Brentford if you take out Woods um, the ginger guy in centre mid or I mean Yotta's gone it's like oh okay you know we've got, we got a chance now so I think the way you beat Brentford is you just go completely old school um, English against them mm-hmm. well we can but hope for because the best of Bolton is a thing we haven't seen since the last the last day of last season uh, is there any did Ipswich sign anyone in the summer because it's obviously not renowned for spending money or anything so is it still the same squad as last year god no we had an unbelievable transfer window we spent really? over over five pounds yeah wow. um, so we signed yeah we signed Joe Garner from Rangers oh, of Martin course Wackle. Wackle. oh yeah yeah oh, from Rangers basically. Um, Emmy Hughes from Cardiff, but he's yeah, been he's injured player. all he's season. Injured. He's a good player. Yeah. I mean, he's at Wigan for very good. Well. Yeah, very good player. Uh, Spence came in on a free. He'd been on loan uh, last season. God, there's and there's Selena on loan from Man City. Oh, for on loan oh, who we from... tried getting, of course. And, uh, yeah, and how close was he? himself outside the uh, stadium. <laughs> yeah, how, how yeah, they've all they've all played well. All those guys. So yeah. it's been. I mean, we. Um, I was talking with Chris about it on Friday that we can't really complain about owners when we're talking to Bolton fans. But mm. Evans, the signing of Ghana was apparently the first seven-figure signing since 2012. He just the problem was that McCarthy got them in the playoffs in 2014-15 on no money, and Murphy scored 27 goals, and Evans was like, "Oh, okay, this is easy. The stadium's full, and I haven't spent any money. We'll, we'll keep doing this," and then. Uh, no. <laughs> so is he finally kind of sticking his hand in his pocket a little bit after kind of a bit yeah, of a decrease what it was, since the last few years? Yeah, what it was, um, the, the season tickets went down 2,000, so pretty much lost 
a million quid in, in one hit by the Dow football and not signing anyone. So I think he's, I think um, with, with businessmen, as you know, from um, uh, Davis is his name, isn't it? Um, they only look at the bottom line and if they get hit in the pocket, they react. Um, they won't listen to anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Quick, Mark, how close were bottom actually to size Selena before he chose Ipswich? And why did he choose Ipswich? Despite the obvious. Uh, well, uh, it depends. It depends who you believe. I mean, he was he was through the door. They had they had a, a good talk to him. Um, they were they were on, they got him through the door. They they were confident of signing him, and then within about a week, I got told that they'd gone cold and they weren't weren't interested. But then it it just so happened he turned up at Ipswich. So I, I think he probably got his head turned a little bit. Maybe City uh, instructed him to go down to Ipswich rather than going down to. Uh, you know, going to Bolton in terms of the loan agreement because, of course, Bolton can't pay any loan fees. I'd imagine that's what it comes uh, down to. Um, can I can I add in as well? Um, we had Tom Lawrence on loan from Leicester last year, okay. um, and he was he was a wide attacking player. He was great for us. He got eleven goals, eleven assists. Ended up playing down the middle, and Leicester just sold on to Derby for seven million. So mm. I think that was probably a factor oh, as well. That, Fair point. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So they went as far as posting on his his Facebook or something, didn't he, or Twitter that he'd uh, he'd just turned up at Wanderers. So it, everyone thought it was a done deal. It's a shame, really. He looks like a good player to me. He's he's an he's an excellent player. He's the most un Mick McCarthy player you'll you'll <laughs> ever see. At, at one point, literally, he had McCarthy, Connor, Skews, Chambers, and um, there's one other guy I can't remember. All shouting at him at the same point. You know, telling him, you know, don't give the ball away, don't do a trick there. But there was one, um, Mark will back me up. There was one where Wheater did a really good tactical foul on him where he virtually took the, on a counter attack, virtually took the whole Bolton build and defence out in two touches. So he's, yeah, he's a, he's a, I'm afraid you've missed out on a good player there. As is the way, as is the way. Uh, where are Ipswich going to end up? Join the list. Where are Ipswich going to end up? The playoffs a possibility? Are we going to hang there or are you going to no. fade away? No, they won't finish. Um, hopefully, if they finish in the top half between 12 and 8th and, say, three months away from the end of the season, there's a realistic mathematical chance of the playoffs. It'll be, a, a given we were 16th last year, um, I mean, at the moment, we're on like, we're, our projection is 98 points, which would win us the league. So we've had an amazing, <laughs> we've had an amazing start, but obviously that's not going to, that's not going to happen. There's plenty of um, plenty of better squads and plenty of teams, you know, like Aston Villa and Derby and such the like, who are going to at some point win seven and draw two of nine games in a row. That will that will happen. So yeah, if they finish in the top half, that would be really good. We finished 16th last year and seventh the year before. So halfway between that is sort of. Uh, 12 or 11 or something. However, my maths is working. Uh, top half would be awesome. And where are Bolton going to finish? Oh, well, Beans Chris was so lovely and so popular on my podcast and we're going to get good ratings every time he goes on. You have to stay up for purely selfish reasons. Um, it depends who you get in. Um, I think they need to be a bit more attacking and they need to break the, um, they need to break the obviously, the, the losing mentality. But given you got 86 points last year, they should be not far off a winning mentality there. Um Obviously, for you guys, it'd be great to. You take, Chris said you'd take twenty first um, oh, all day long if it was if it was promised to you. So, 
Um, the thing with the championship is you can lose a hell of a lot of games and still have a good season because there's 46 games and it's so... And you, you see teams in December, you know, go up like 10 places just because there's like eight games in 30 days or whatever. So it's all about, you know, just... I, I think the thing I've learned about the championship in the past 16 seasons of being it <laughs> is that draws are, draws are kind of worth nothing and that don't worry if you've lost five games. It's, you know, you can... You can you can lose 15 games and finish second. It's all about getting the wins on the board, and um, you know, for you guys, it's going to be between 46 and 56 points. Is getting 1.1 points per game, and you stay up. I saw that Brentford, Brentford, uh, sorry, Brighton, Brighton lost about nine games last season. So oh, still have Brighton had a, every, every chance we could win the league well, this year. Yeah. Oh yeah, we could, we could definitely still win the league. So now I think didn't Harry Redknapp say Birmingham were going to win the league? Anyway? He said they'd be top six, no bother, something like that. Which, yeah, that's a bit that awkward. Terrific, well. terrific, top top. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything else, either Mark or Ben, you'd like to say about the game on Saturday? Any other points? No, I think you nailed I, it. I'm glad I'm bloody home. By the way, they should be playing in Holland that lot. Is, is it quicker? Well, it'd be a lot. It's 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 nearer to, to Amsterdam than it is to, to Bolton. I'm pretty sure. How long did it take you, Mark? Sorry. How long did it take you to get there? I oh Christ! What time did I start? I I, I, I walked up to catch the uh, the bus to the train station at six o'clock in the morning, and got Jesus. back at half past twelve. So it was it was a good trip. No. Good trip. Wow. Well, at least at least Brighton's gone, eh? <laughs> That's it. I still got to go to Norwich though. Oh. oh, have fun! Yeah, that's that's even worse because the, you kind of get to East Anglia and they're right out, right out on a limb. And of course, they're a bunch of yeah. <laughs> yeah, Preston's <laughs> better though. I thought we went to either. Yeah, Preston will be fun. Hmm. Not for me. <laughs> no, I am going to London on Tuesday, which will be fun for my first game of the season. But we'll talk about that soon. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. Would you like to plug your Twitters and your websites and your podcasts and all that lot? Your stage is yours. I would love to do that. Um, you can follow our podcast at Blue Monday ITFC, which drops at midnight and gives a wonderfully balanced review of Saturday's game. You can get that on iCast or Apple Podcasts. Um, I am on Twitter at Benjamin Bloom, but will not respond if you say nasty things about my hair or my face or my football team. Um, I'm on YouTube as well, Benjamin Bloom. And if you go to the Blue Monday Facebook page, I did a instantaneous review straight after the game of the Bolton game if you so desire well you make sure our listeners go and check that out thank you very much for joining us Ben thank you very much my pleasure no worries, and we'll talk yeah. to you soon that yeah. ladies and gentlemen is the end of part 2 of the Love Pod but we'll be back for part 3 very very soon Hello there once again and welcome back to the Love Pod. Benjamin has left us now, but I'm sure you'll all agree. He was a great guest and no doubt we'll have him on again when we'll next play Ipswich in January and I hope you look forward to it. Is he our first ever opposition guest? I think he may well be, you know. Yeah, I think he will. Not bad, not bad. Do this a bit more. That you know of. So, now, Bolton. Back to what the topic matters. Bolton, they go to West Ham on Tuesday, Mark. I'll be going as well as you, I should imagine. Going to the Olympic Stadium. First time there, are you excited? I am. I, I'm, quite, I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I'm excited, Ed. It's, uh, that, that makes 89 for me. So uh, Burton, will be, Burton will be 90. 
I'm just hoping we get Colchester and Barnett in the cup and then I quit and get a proper job. Ooh, we're pro- approaching the 100 soon, though. I'm approaching 100. Gotta, gotta, I got a loss to that milestone, I reckon. Um, nah, if I, if I take the football league clubs off, that's it. It's it's game over. I don't need to do so it anymore. I never got the 92 because the 92 changes every year. Like, So what actually counts as the 92? It's the current current squad, current squad stadium, rather. So every time a club moves stadium, you have to tick it back off again. But like, what about teams that get relegated and when you start doing your 92? Is it just, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's going to be the 92 in the Football League at that point in time. So I've been to Forest Green Rovers. Okay. So when they got up, it didn't matter. But if, let's say, I don't know, Dulwich Hamlet came up, then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that one. <laughs> so will will Tottenham will Tottenham count twice? Because although they might even be in the same stadium, it's now a slightly different version of the same stadium. Do you have to do that again? It's a very good question. I'm going to wait and see what they call it because they've only really rotated it a little bit, haven't they? So yeah, if, if they rebrand it, I might have to say. Uh, to be honest, I'm in no great rush to go back to Tottenham anyway. It's no. a hole, so uh, I'd, I'd rather uh, I'd rather just say I've done it and not have to do it again. Well, we're going to the other side of London on Tuesday. Uh, expecting changes um, from both sides. On far, what, what do you see happening here? We always beat West Ham. Like that was the match I missed the most when they got relegated first, and then when we got relegated mm. and passed them by. West Ham were always the team would be guaranteed for six points a season for at least the last like all, all the time I've been watching at least. Um, we've got very fond memories of us playing West Ham. That's why I'm so looking forward to it, as well as going to this uh, kind of stadium that I'd hate to go to every week as a home game, but as an away game, as a special thing, I'm quite looking forward to. So, what do you what do you see happening, Mac? I'd like to think they'd coax Kevin Davis out of retirement for mm. one night only, to be honest, just to, to put the wind up him. But uh, no, nah, I think it's going to be a, a really ch- changed team. Anybody that hasn't had a game, your your Mark Howard, Adam Lafondras. Dorian Davids, uh, Andy Taylor, uh, you know a- anybody else that's fit. Plus, I think they'll promote a couple of the kids that they can do now from the development squad. Um, it'll be a, a much changed team. Um, uh, you know, that's this. That's the, the the kind of the sense I'm getting. I've got me kind of press conference tomorrow, so I'll probably have a better idea of it then. But yeah, I I, I think. They can afford to make changes. West Ham certainly will, but then you know, obviously, they've got a much deeper squad than than Bolton. And obviously, Burke um, and Cullen won't be available for this match. That's yes, of course, yeah, yeah. Burke and Cullen definitely won't be available. So there's going to be two changes right there. But I, I mean, for me, it's it's a it's a free hit, isn't it? You go there, you know, we all have a, a decent day out, and then come away and concentrate on the proper stuff. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the proper stuff, we played Brentford at home on Saturday. They obviously fellow strugglers. I think they're, the, they're in second, third bottom, just above Birmingham. Still on uh, four points above us. It's already a must-win game, really, at this early stage. Or at least a game that we need something positive of. They've not been playing all that well this year. As uh, uh, Benjamin just mentioned, lost a lot of key players, especially Yotta and Harley Dean, even though I think Harley Dean is shite. Uh, what do you see happening here? As you know, Ben said, if we just stay pragmatic and don't get silly, we could uh, knock them off the perch a bit here. Yeah, he said that kind of the old old school football might uh, might be the good plan, which kind of plays into Bolton's hands hands a little bit because it certainly hasn't been particularly complicated so far, has it? But no. I, look, I, I, let's face it: if if they don't get a win or a, a, a positive result, let's say, it's going to get ugly, isn't it? Because it's it's starting to get to that point now where you know the the, the complainers are starting to outweigh the. Um, the, the more sensible types, and I wouldn't like to to hear people 
uh, you know, hear those those familiar sounds that we heard with with Dougie Freeman and with Owen Coyle and with Neil Lennon. So, um, you know, I, I do that that first one has got to arrive um, on on Saturday for me. It's it's uh, it's it's a must win game, and, and you don't like saying that, but I, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Are you looking forward to it, Chris? Yeah, like Mark. So it's a free hit, isn't it? I would I would drop everyone to be honest. Let everyone have a rest who needs a rest. Yeah, and just give the guys a give the guys a go, and then for Saturday, we're at yet another must-win game, aren't we? Only like eight or nine games into the season, and we're already looking at like we need to have a must-win game. Um, I was encouraged a bit by what Ben said because fingers crossed Brentford will play into our hands a little bit. I'd like to see Parky go a bit more attacking, I must say, but you know, at the same time, I'm a bit I feel a bit guilty of criticising him too much. He's done far and above what we expected already. Um, it is what it is, isn't it, this season? I think we'll just go along with it and not get too upset. The people that are complaining about where we are, you know, just have a bit of a look around you, see where we are, see who we're playing again, see what we've got to play with and just realise that mm-hmm. whatever will be, will be. If we get 21st, then it's time for a pitch invasion and a party, isn't it? If we All don't, right. then so be it. We'll enjoy next season just as much, I'm sure. I'm probably more so. Uh, Mark, Indeed. how would you line us up formation-wise on Saturday? Would you stick with the, you know, the... The formation that was seven as well against Ipswich, so I went to shit by a deflection. Or do you may have to change things up? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was I was quite pleased with that. I, I know um, you know Ben there said he was a bit defensive. I, I, I disagree a little bit. As having watched every minute of every game, I I, I think it was as attacking as as it has been. All season, it really. It is a bad indictment of how attacking. Well, it probably is. It probably is. Yeah, but you know, I think the win backs looked a little more tired. They weren't quite as good as they were the week before against Sheffield United. Sorry, the game before against Sheffield United. Um, so maybe wasn't that kind of uh, flow down down the outsides. But I thought having Morace and, and Noon around Medine just gave us a bit more presence around the penalty box and it just looked as if they were going to score a goal or there was a chance of them scoring a goal rather than uh, it just hoping that something comes off for Medine, which, you know, it's been so isolated. And also, you know, Karakan and Cullen had a lot to do with that as well because they covered a lot of ground. Um, so it'd be good to have Cullen, you know, sit out against West Ham. I hope he, I hope he drops Karakan as well and, and, you know, gives them both a decent rest. And then, you know, really go again, 3-4-3 three, three against Brentford and, and, and take it to him. Well, here's hoping. I was just going to ask, um, we, obviously, you've, you've not been on since the summer and a few signs have come in through the door. What do you, any signings that we've made that have particularly impressed you so far? Uh, any that you want to talk about of well, doing the opposite, maybe? You know, we've had a lot. Cullen, Burke, Buckley, Noon, Wilbraham, uh, Little, Armstrong, Taylor coming back. Obviously, Carrican coming back. Who's uh, who's impressed at the new signings, or who have you got thoughts on? Honestly, you know, n- nobody stood out, have they? No, um, I, if it, yeah, I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. That you know, the most consistent player probably so far has has been Gary Medine, and whether you, you count him having signed a new contract, um, and you know, possibly backed up maybe with, I don't know, maybe maybe. David, Anthony Robinson, actually. I, I, now, I'll make an exception there. I think Anthony Robinson um, looks whole hard. He's still got a bit to prove defensively, but um, the kid is clearly trying his balls off, and you know I, I like that about him. Um, he doesn't doesn't give up. He's you know he, he's he's made a couple of mistakes, but he's brushed them off, and he's 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 kept on going. And I think they're going to need a lot more of that. You know, Bullen 
Oh, sorry, uh, Cullen rather and Burke. Uh, I thought they had a couple of good games to start off with, dropped off a lot, but have, have come back in the last couple of games. And, you know, they, I think they're starting to find their feet and hopefully that's, uh, you know, a, portent, a good portent for things to come. Absolutely, absolutely. And hopefully they can all improve. Chris, I believe you have some questions for Mark. I definitely do, yes. Can I definitely ask Mark do. It's first? been a while since... Yeah, of course you can. Remembered. Mark, I was just wondering, have you heard how Mark Davis is doing after his release? Because obviously he's not got a new club, uh, as far as I'm aware. What's he up to? Is he? Do you know? Have you heard anything at all? Yeah, he's, he's still doing rehab. There's still kind of no decision on on what uh, his plans are. Whether he's uh, continuing to look for a new club or or whether he's just trying to get himself to the stage where he can look for a new club. I don't. Um, I know I've said that a couple of times, but I, I don't want to put any pressure on him and start writing stuff about, you know, he's, he's closing in on this, that, or the other. I felt Stuart Holden got kind of press ganged into that a little bit when he was doing the same sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I'm consciously leaving it alone a little bit. Um, he is still going in. He's still doing hard work. Um, but it's entirely his decision because the, the, the injury he had, I will say, was a lot worse than reported. Ooh. Is he training at Bolton? Yeah, he's training at ball. He's at, he's at Lostock. Yeah, he goes in okay. most, you know, most days. He's in with the lads. He's, he's, you know, there's no different there. There's no, um, you know, nobody said to me, oh, well, you know, if he's at such a stage in, you know, a couple of months, we'll we'll have a look at it. Um, you know, I think they're just, they're, they're just trying to sort of keep the pressure off him a bit and just give him as much breathing space as possible. Good to hear. Hopefully he gets a full recovery and can get back to the game, be it at Bolton or any other club. But Chris, no, you may ask the questions you have. Thank you very much. Yes, actually, you know, about five minutes before the podcast started, we didn't really have much. <laughs> I think it's you and Kirst, you've been in Facebook Live, Mark. You've completely taken the wind out of our sails in terms of getting information across to people. I really enjoy them. I don't know what right. your feedback uh, is like generally. I don't know what it's like for you to, to record it, but uh, yeah, as a, as a watcher, I certainly enjoy them very much. Uh, yeah, I prefer podcasts because nobody can see your face, to be honest, Chris. There's <laughs> a reason I never went into television. I was going to say, you got face for radio. We all have. Absolutely, mate. But the, the thing is, though, they, they, they thrust this on you, and I'm sure the, the paper won't mind me saying this, but, you know, it's, this is kind of, it's, it's out of my comfort zone, man. I, 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 you know, I subscribe to writing. That's what I decided to do as a career. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, now we need to get a microphone in your hand. You need to stick a camera in your face. And, you know, you, you know I was going to ask you about that, whether it was the mandated by the higher ups that you had to do that sort of thing. I, it's the same as, as the lo- as we, we get. Me, mate. I'm not, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, it's not my thing, really, um, and you probably can tell that. But it, it, it's it's nice to be able to to respond quickly to these things. And but you know, I just I feel like. You're on a persistent loop. People ask you the same things again and again and again and again. I spend all day ask, answering the same question at times. But uh... I saw one person who, who sent a message to you on Facebook saying, um, what do you think of the 20 players I tagged you in on Twitter? <laughs> good grief, man. <laughs> if you're not going to get a response on one, then come on, just, just accept it and move on. Don't chase him on the next one for a reply. I'll tell you what, one, one time, and we'll, uh, that's just reminded me of a story. Um, a certain uh, BBC Radio Manchester uh, journalist who I won't uh, I won't name specifically uh, turned up to Gary Megson's press conference with a, a scribbled list of 20 names that had been linked with the club over the summer and he said 
uh, do you mind if I uh, if I read these out to you and you can confirm and deny every single one of them? <laughs> and uh, and Gary Megson said, yeah, sure. And so he, he said the first name. Let's say it's Miguel Veloso. And Megson went, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and so oh. the interview stopped there. <laughs> fair, fair say, Gary. Give you that one. Give yeah. you that one. Yeah. That's probably the only Megson story you guys would like, actually. I think it is, yeah. I think it is. It's the only time yeah, I get a laugh out of me. Tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, question, numero uno. Indeed. Rightio. So we'll start off with um, one sent in by our pal, Luke. Uh, he said, how long do you think Parkinson will last if this run continues? Luke's caveated that by saying he, he thinks that Parkinson is the safest manager in England. What, what do you think? Well, I said earlier, didn't I? You know, if you, if you get beat on Saturday, then the, the mood changes. Um, I, I think... You know, you pick up a sixth sense for this sort of thing, and I think it's getting to that stage now where, you know, you have to, you have to be realistic, and results are not going, not going right. Hopefully, and I have every faith that they will change. Um, and I, I think he's got enough goodwill in the bank to to allow for that as well. Um, you have you have to wonder financially speaking for the for the club, can they even entertain going back into League One next season? Probably not. I think it would be a you know a bad shout in the long run. How long that lasts, you know, how long you could afford to to sit around without a win, I don't know. Um, but I you know I would like to think that the you know sensibility will rule and that they'll they'll keep faith with with Phil and and, and that he will get that win and, and change people's minds because it's been a you know it's been a pleasure to work with him and he's he's done wonders last season to to take the club up and I think that should be appreciated but football's a bizarre place at times agreed agreed wholeheartedly um personally i hope parky stays i think even if we were to go down next season that's obviously the worst case scenario mm-hmm. um he's still the man still the man for us uh, absolutely no no argument for me there whatsoever okay so moving on to the next one let me just find a tab on my computer here we go uh, down the manny road tom i said how scared are you by parallels with the 2015-16 season even this short amount of time into the season uh, yeah I, I, I appreciate that it, i i just feel it's, it's it it might not be there might not be as many talented players on there let's talk about Zach Clough or or mark davis um, you know, people like that, but I, I do think that the team is better. You know, that the, the the spirit is better in the squad. It, mm. it feels like you're dealing with a club. You, you're dealing with a, a a manager that you know where he, he's coming from. He's not up and down like Lennon was at that stage of the game. Um, so it it just feels better. It feels better. It's it's, it's, it's nothing I can put my finger on. It's just. I'm more confident that this team, this manager, will survive than uh, than that team was. And there was no, you know, one thing I could say at that point in time. They were definitely going down. You just, you just felt like it was going to happen because the the, the bond wasn't there, type of thing. Yeah. Well, not to mention the. Um, I don't think we've got anyone calling Parky a prick on Sky TV, have we so far? <laughs> Makes a nice, uh, nice refreshing. I don't think they'd last five minutes if that was the case. Uh, I, don't, Ian first... I don't think Steve Parkin <laughs> would be able to oh, uh, control himself. So I'm not so sure. I'm not sure Gary Medina get away with that on. Uh, no, no. Parkinson's a scary. Uh, Parkin's a scary man. Uh, Ian Firth has been in touch. Our own to say, are we actually out of the embargo, or are we still restricted to say one in, one out? I know you answered that back at the very, very top of the podcast a few hours ago. Um, but any elaboration would be welcome. 
Well, it's, it's like I say, it, it's very much a grey area because uh, we we sought clarification from the Football League straight away once the, the, the announcement was made without the embargo, simply because I'd like to know exactly what they can and can't do or indeed what they couldn't do beforehand, uh, definitively. Um, and they weren't able to offer it and they weren't able to to kind of say anything on the record, even to confirm it. Um which is, is a bit worrying. They are out of embargo, I know that much, um, but they were in several embargoes, special measures, I think it, it, it's referred to. So the the basics are that we don't know exactly what they can, can and can't do still, only that they can bring through the younger players and register them, um, and with Football League approval, can still sign, can sign players again. Um, but as I, I wrote at the weekend, don't expect a shopping spree. Um, don't expect massive changes because I don't think either the Football League have got the appetite for that or indeed the club. So, um, you know, it's, it's good news. It's a step in the right direction and credit to, to Ken for getting to that, that stage because, quite frankly, the mess they inherited, you know, it was, was absolutely ridiculous. But... Um, I don't think, uh, they, they, well, certainly there's more more work to come. Yeah, there's no doubt whatsoever the work they've done so far has been sterling, uh, despite his detractors. Uh, OK, uh, on to one from me, that's OK. Um, heard a bit of a whisper over the, the, the earlier part of the weekend about uh, Ken trying to do a deal with the car park company with PBP um, because Emerson want them for retail development. Mm. Uh, have you heard anything of the same? Yeah, it's just been a, a rumour knocking about for quite a while, that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, weren't they weren't they mentioned in court at one point in time back uh, in January 2016 as being the potential purchaser of the car park? Uh, it makes sense, obviously, that Emerson would want to look at that land uh, over the Middlebrook master plan and all that kind of thing. Um, and it may well... Um, and this is just speculation, but it may well also uh, e- explain some of the need to take the ACV away as well, um, mm. if, if indeed that is listed uh, in, in amongst all that. So um, we will see how that pans out and, and what, what comes out in the wash on that front. But yes, certainly the, the rooms haven't passed me by. Right. Interesting stuff. Thank you. Um, in terms of the ACV, we had another, another question in for me in about the beef between Ken and the supporters trust in, in relation to the, to the ACV asset of community value. Where do you think each side stands on that? What, what do you think the, 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 the disagreement is perhaps I, I can appreciate that the, the supporters trust are trying to safeguard what they believe to be an important asset. And Ken obviously wants to make things as simple as he, as he can to flip the club on. But do you think that, that either side needs to sort of uh, to, to, you know, relinquish a little bit of ground in that? Yeah, I think it's one or the other. I don't think there's any... I mean, I've got to stick to the facts. And actually, the facts are that if, if Ken Anderson turned around tomorrow and say, hey, I've got these you know, Saudi Arabian guys that want to, to buy X, Y and Z, you know, the, the club, the hotel, the land, etc. Um, and, and they're willing to put it all, you know, put in hundreds of millions of pounds worth of equity. Then the supporters trust would say, yes, no problem at all. Happy days and it could get done in 60 seconds flat. You know, it isn't the ACV isn't the prohibitive kind of uh, paperwork that that perhaps it's being portrayed as being. Mm. Um, what, of course, uh, I, I can see from Ken's point of view is that he perhaps doesn't want all his 
um, you know, his transactions being aired in public, which is one of the kind of prerequisites of it, that it's all made public. Um, and also he's probably a little bit worried or, or mistrustful maybe that, uh, that the, the trust would launch an objection and, and stall whatever plans he has got. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I can, I can understand that. But it's going to this uh, hearing in October, October the 2nd, I think it is. Um, and it'll in all... two weeks then, in two weeks yeah. on Monday then. Well, it's, it's a bit of a funny one because it's supposed to be a review. But the story I've been told is it's supposed to be a review of all the evidence. Um, and if it isn't resolved amicably between the two parties, it can go on to a tribunal. Um, but the way that it's looking and the way that the council seems to be setting up the whole thing, it, it looks like they want to make a decision there and then. I just hope whatever decision they make there doesn't then just lead to, to more sort of nastiness and unpleasantness or or more legal wranglings. I'm going to drag the whole thing out like everybody else. You know, I, I want it to be nice and easy um, and, and just to let everybody move on and, and do what they need to do. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I agree with every sentiment there. Uh, one from Mount Skipper to say that is there any truth in the rumour that Betfred are looking to either buy the club or a stake in the club? Um, I've not heard that one. I've not heard that one. It, it, it would be uh, it, it would be nice. He's got plenty of money, old Fred. Um, yeah, and that sort of leads on to the next question. Really, was that the, the popular word? on the street, the tittle-tattle that you can still get, even if you're not on Twitter these days, um, is that we earned 270 grand from Betfred, Betfred, a very specific amount has been quoted, which allegedly, and I, I, again, I, I, this is with a pinch of salt, I'm just reporting what I've read, that's roughly a quarter of what the market rate is for a sponsorship yeah. of, of that level. Um, do you know anything about that? Well, I, I, again, it's, it's a figure that's been sort of told to me as, as fact by some people, but... Honestly, I mean, the amount of misinformation about, um, you know, neither side has been willing to, to say what the what the figure is. So, uh, you know, it, become an it, accepted truth then. Exactly. It could be. It could be an accepted truth. But honestly, the amount of bullshit that I hear on a, on a daily basis that gets, you know, WhatsApp to me or tweeted to me or, you know, message to me, email to me that that's God's honest truth. This is a great source. This is a great source. And, and, you know, it is ridiculous just how much uh, is out there. It really is. It, cutting through it is an impossible task. Well, I apologise for that, Mark. All you've got to do is tell me to stop texting you. You don't need to be so blatant on the, on the internet. But fair play. Uh, okie dokie, on to the next one. We've got a message from uh, Johnny, at LOV's own Johnny, once of the supporters' trust, jettisoned very harshly, in my opinion. Um, he says, there have been a lot of rumours about potential new owners lately. Do you expect a change of ownership anytime soon? And do you think Ken would relinquish 100% control, or do you think he, he might want to stay on? Well, I'm sure that Ken's got a, a plan for it. You know, I, I, I said, I've said all along that the only thing I'm absolutely sure of is that that Ken will get what he needs to get out of it. You know, whether, you know, if he fancies being chairman for the next 10 years and he, you know, he wants to, 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 to do that whole thing, then he'll probably do it. You know, I think he's a businessman. I think, you know, he, he, he fancies the, the, you know, making the money out of the whole thing. And you can't blame him for that because he's come in and done that job. Um, so long as he leaves the place in a, in a, a stable kind of fashion um, and, and sells it to the right sort of people. Um, I don't know of anything that's imminent, but obviously this ACV is, is important enough for them to go whole hog and, and throw the whole legal thing at it. So uh, I think probably off the back of that, we'll get a better idea off the back of that decision as to, to what the, the next step is. But um, 
you know, unfortunately, sport and business, they're, they're two different things sometimes, and certainly football clubs and business, and you've got to kind of look at it from both sides and, you know, what's a business decision and, and what's right for the football club or what, you know, a football fan would do is sometimes slightly different. Agreed, agreed fully. Uh, leading on from that, uh, Alistair, again, our very own, has come back to us to ask where you think the club finances and the Andersons will be this time in 12 months. Um, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Again, it probably links onto the last one, doesn't it? I suppose it depends on on to to what extent Ken gets everything else sorted. And he's he's managed to win all the battles so far by hook or by crook. Um, you know, I wouldn't back against him to win the next one personally. Uh, but uh, you know, has there been a, a a queue of of rich people waiting to? to to invest in Bolton Wanderers? No, there hasn't. I think there's, there's been a lot of people sniffing around, a lot of people perhaps waiting for it to go into administration or waiting for worse things to happen to the club, which haven't happened yet um, and hopefully won't happen at all. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking at it in a business sense and, and not wanting to, to sort of say to Ken, well, there you go, there's £10 million or whatever it might be. And, you know, you go off into the sunset. I think a lot of people are hoping that they get it off on the cheap. So um, it's difficult to predict what happens 12 months down the line because it, it might well depend on on, on how the, the club's immediate future goes, maybe even, you know, mm. in terms of whether they stay in the championship and whether they can guarantee that income fund for the next 12 months. True. Well, obviously, obviously the, the, uh, the further down the pyramid we are, the less attractive investment we are, although like a cheaper that. investment we may well be. Um Ian's been back in touch to say, what do you think Dean Holdsworth's legacy will be at Bolton? Obviously, his name is mud amongst many. Um, a little bit, a little bit unfairly, in my opinion. I think he was, you know, possibly poorly advised, a bit naive, maybe. He came from a position of obviously trying to help. But where do you think he's going? To, how do you think he's going to be remembered going forward? Do you think he's going to be the guy that almost, almost hamstrung us, or do you think he might be a bit more regarded a bit more sympathetically a few years down the line? Honestly, and I know I know Dean pretty well. Um, I hope I hope there's a degree of sympathy there because the the one overriding thing that he did was he he went to war to to stop the club from going bust. And had the club gone bust, then and and you probably know as well, Chris. You probably talked to the same sort of people. There were a, a lot of very very dodgy people knocking about mm. who were looking to invest uh, in administration who would have gone for the club in administration. Now, you might say <laughs> things haven't necessarily gone fantastically since uh, since Dean and, and Ken took over. You know, it's stable now, but obviously, you know, there's, there's obviously still critics. Um, but there were, there were, you know, a lot of, a lot of very... Um, nefarious uh, people knocking around who, who mm. really did want to strip the place down to absolutely nothing and, and, and that hasn't happened so I, I think in that respect I think you have to say to, to Dean you know you did you did that job yes some bad choices have been made and I'm sure personally he would have done things differently and, and it hasn't worked out well and I think he's made some, some bad decisions as well um, it hasn't ended well for him and it's, it's sad but it has come from the right place in, you know, he has, definitely, you know, he's, he's definitely. not, he's not in any way a, a, a nasty person or somebody that was looking at it from a, a completely selfish point of view. 
I, I went back and re-listened to the interview he did with us on the day that the takeover was confirmed um, yeah. the, other, the other day. And, and the hope and the, the happiness in his voice was there to be seen. And the sadness in the statement that he made when Sportshire was liquidated was, was equally equally um, tough on the heartstrings. So I completely agree. Obviously, the mistakes that he's made were, were severe. And I think he's been, he's been outplayed by a, a cleverer businessman than, than he ever was. And I'm sure he wouldn't admit yeah. to being a businessman first and foremost, unlike, uh, unlike Ken, who's obviously well-versed to sort of swimming in these waters and he's he's made it work for him which I suppose is uh, is something that he's probably quite pleased with but as long as it works out best for the club I'll be honest I don't really care uh, about legacies and things like that like you said about Ken love him or loathe him if he leaves the club in a better position than when he arrived then surely his time with us has got to be viewed as positive uh, it's right, just it's, it's, the, it's the business there Chris so it's, it's, the, it's the business and the football club you, you, you think differently as a football club or as a football fan but actually as a business you know, Ken has come in as a businessman and and made things work as a business, which were not yeah. being run correctly beforehand. Let's, let's be absolutely sure. Agreed. We've said before it's maybe better to have somebody running it with the head rather than the heart, because we've seen what happens when the opposite uh, when the opposite's yeah. the case. It yeah. doesn't always work out in the best way. I'm going to apologise to Craig Monks because you've stolen his thunder a little bit with your answer there, so I'll just skip his question. Um, one last thing Thanks, on the supporters. On the supporters' trust, just before we get to the last couple of questions, uh, one from friend of the site, Carlos, to say, given the well-documented actions and comments from the trust members, both past and present, do you believe it has become an irrelevant parody of itself, word for word? Uh, no, but uh, and this kind of links on to what you were saying before, and then you put the phone down on me and wouldn't let me finish my thing. Um, <laughs> Didn't like what you were saying, that's why. Oh, that's it, that's it, yeah. Uh, look, the, the bottom line is, 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 is the supporters' trust isn't a person. It isn't, a, you know, it, it isn't personalities. It is a group. But anybody is free to go and, you know, have an influence on it. And they, yes, uh, and I, I, I know what you're going to probably think about. The, the elections didn't work last time because nobody stepped forward and, and, and went for it. But it can do. And as a body and as, as a kind of a theory, the whole supporters' trust should work if people want to get involved in it, it's no point pointing at people and saying, you're, you're making these wrong decisions. If you're not willing to sort of subscribe mm. to it and put yourself up or, or put yourself into that sort of situation, you know, I, I think if fans wanted to get involved or if more people did get involved in it, it would be more representative or maybe people would feel that it's more representative of what they felt of, of, or what they believed in. Um, unfortunately, you know, not enough people have put themselves forward and, and, and want you yeah. to get involved in that respect. And that is a, a recrying shame because it's left this kind of skeletal, you know, uh, a group going forward that people are, are picking off and making it personal. It's, it shouldn't really be like that. It's, it's, it's a very valuable resource for supporters. Agreed. And in its purest form, it, it would be something that's definitely going to be to the benefit of the club, whether that's now or in 10 years' time is, is neither here nor there. Do you see the... The video that Mr. Izza posted online, the, the nostril shot, the the one for the one for the purest, the, the video formatted. Um, yeah, did you I see that so. video where he explained it? I mean, you know, presentation aside, what do you think of what he actually had to say? Well, he's he's a knowledgeable fella, Daniel, and, and uh, you know, he, he he's a solicitor. He's worked in football and he's he's worked on a lot of uh, insolvency uh, things as well. You know. There, there are a lot of clever blokes in that in that uh, in that little group, and they've, they've got specialist knowledge. It's you know you're not um, you're not necessarily dealing with uh, with with just football fans. They you know they were they, they put themselves together 
quite well at the start, I think. Um, things, you know, fell apart a little bit around the edges um, in the last few months or so. But, uh, you know, look, everybody's going to have an opinion, aren't they? And, and, and everybody's going to pick the favourites. I don't tend to get personal. I've just got to uh, uh, try and stay a little bit apolitical in the middle of everything. But, um, you know, I, I wish them well. I, I hope they, they find a, a middle ground or they find, you know, a, a bit of, uh, you know, a niche uh, with the supporters. Mm. And with the club as well, because you know, I think I think the club needs uh, needs to have you know as, as as many decent supporters groups, whether it be BWSA who do a great job of doing what they want to do, and and you know, uh, and, and I think the supporters trust need to to have that working relationship as well. I think a lot of it's down to the fact that they're new, aren't they? And there's always a distrust yeah. of, of what you, what you don't understand. Um, yeah. And I think there's been, as I said in my little monologue earlier on, there seems to have been mistakes made on. You know, on their part, mainly from a presentation point of view, maybe getting their message across, which could have been improved and which might have might have taken away some of this criticism. But I think if they were to address it head on, it might well be distasteful in the short run to sort of give a, a response to people that are criticising them quite, you know, quite personally on, on occasion. But I think it would it would build, it would ultimately build bridges because it then it assuages those doubts and it shows people that you know there are humans at the other end of this this mythical trust you know and then the long-standing fans for the large part but that's for them to decide not for me uh, okay last couple um let's go back to football a uh, lead tenant formerly of this parish and person of my, my favorite person in terms of love pod because he once got a parking ticket from aldi from using their free wi-fi outside to record the podcast in its early days and um, says do you think parky blaming bad luck and not the players is a little short-sighted is it his inflexibility in terms of style rather than formation contributing to this poor run? Um, oh, I think sometimes uh, my choice of headline slash intro um, affects what people think Parky is blaming things on. Um, okay. you know, <laughs> honestly, I think I've used bad luck in a couple of stories and you know, it isn't something that he's banging on about on a regular basis. It just seemed, it just happened to be the, the point that I picked up for a story. And um, I think sometimes he gets a, a, a bad shout for that. And, and every manager does um, in his local paper because we just write so many goddamn stories about him. Um, but no, I mean, uh, you know, tactically, um, I, I think he's been limited, hasn't he? I mean, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of four four two. I don't, See anybody else in the championship, particularly using four four two, but people keep on telling me it's the the way to solve all problems. Um, you know, everybody's got some theory on on what's going wrong, but I think you know it's not going to be one thing that that solves it. It's not going to be just putting Alfie in. It's not going to be just putting you know a flat back four yeah. or, or that kind of thing. I think he's got to find. You know, he's got to, it's going to, it's going to be fluid. He's going to have to find his way, and I think they did that fairly soon last season. They they found, in, like you said, that that November sort of run where they found exactly the the shape they wanted, and it, it worked for them. It will happen. I hope he gets the time. And I hope he gets the patience from the fans for it to happen this time. Um, and then, like I say, twenty first the target after that. Yeah, it's similar to what I, a radio program listened to today before the Chelsea game. They were talking about the murmurs about Conte this time last year when they lost they got spanked away at Arsenal he then changed the formation as a response and then look what happened to them it's just one of those things isn't it it can, it can turn on, on something as simple as, as a formation change so we'll have to wait and see what happens on that um, on the subject of Alf you mentioned him before he's not come up too much tonight 
Um, our Liam asked, if you were in Parky's shoes, would you have signed Alf on a permanent deal this summer, knowing that you know that the the role that we're going to be playing in, the likely role, and his opportunities to play in his preferred position? Um, well, that's an interesting question, really, because you know, I, I, to play him, I think he does have to play in a two, and and I'd have to go back on what I've just said about me not wanting to play <laughs> four four two, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Alfie. Uh, is is good at what he does, um, and in League One last season, you know, alongside Medine, you could probably afford to leave two up front. I think at the minute, in the situation we're in, trying to get some type of foothold in the Championship, I think it would be a mistake to put two up front right. on, in, on a regular basis. Yeah. That's that's my my thoughts, you know. Um, and whether that's Alfie or whether it's you know Adam Armstrong who's having this similar sort of time, not not getting games, uh, you know, I think the way he's going about it would be the way that I'd go about it. But uh, you know, he's going to have to get a chance at some point in time, and if he takes it, then you know you've got to you you've got to bow to the the player that's in form, whether that's you know leaving Armstrong out or leaving Medina out or whatever. If he scores goals, then he's the man with the shirt. Agreed, and let's hope that Tuesday night is that night. Uh, okay, finally. On a completely different subject, and this is a, me- a message from Joe, uh, new father Joe as well. Congratulations, mate! Little girl uh, born yesterday. Uh, is the SKD Super Kevin Davis testimonial dead in the water? Don't blame me. <laughs> blast from the past, the most recent past. Dead but a blast the Ricardo Gardner testimonial. Yeah. I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! I haven't asked that question in about two years. Um, yeah, I mean, I've not heard anything. I mean, Kev's very busy at the moment, learning to be a. a, a director of football and, and getting very, very studious and technical um, at university. So I don't think it's top of his list. And as I've said with the Gardner one before now, it's actually down to the players. It's, it's not it's not down to the club to sort of say, oh, come in and do this and we'll organise it all for you. It's actually very, very hard work. Um, you've got to organise committees. You've got to do, you know, a, a lot of paperwork and, and, and sort of, tax stuff and all sorts and it involves a, a hell of a lot of work so um, you know if and when Kev you know decides to do it then I'm, I'd be amazed if the club uh, weren't uh, receptive to it um, and Bibby for that matter um, if that ever comes about again um, I think he deserves it I'd love to see it and I'm, I'm, same. You know, I'm sure there'd be plenty of local causes that would uh, would benefit from it in the same way as uh, Yaskalainen's did as well but uh um, I don't think he's top of his list at the minute, but do you know what? The Chesterfield jobs just come up, and I, I, I just wonder whether or not if they if they fancied, uh, uh, you know, gambling on somebody that's not had a job, whether he'd be a good shout. And then we're also what are we two years away from the Darren Prattley testimonial? Just let that sink in. Well, I, three I, years. I, I'll, I'll help organise that for him. You'll be there. You'll be first. You'll be on you'll the be pitch. The only I'm sure. One, Mark, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in a professional capacity. Yeah, that's no, that's it for the questions. That's it from the questions tonight, Matt. Thanks very much for, your, for being so open. I always appreciate it. No worries. No worries. You also have a game you want to play, Chris. You've just taken over this part. I've said about eight words. No, no, this is this has been the best bit when you've been quiet, if you ask me. <laughs> All yours. No, you're playing Who Am I, aren't you? Oh, do you want to still want to play? Yeah, let's play. Yeah, do I'll do a quick game of Who Am I, Matt. Guess the one joke. We've not played this for quite a while. I just thought we might bring it back as a bit, and then we then we started talking football for two hours. Um, okay, quick game of Who Am I? If you if you if you know it, if you know it, shout out. If you don't know it, don't shout out. Play along at home. 
See how many questions it takes you to guess the or the who am I wanderer? So hmm, let's have a where should we start? So let's start at the start, why not? So born in nineteen sixty one in Northumberland. So that makes him fifty six years old, Dan, today. Uh, as of today. His first professional club in England was Carlisle United. Nobody? Okay. No. That's fine. He made over 100 appearances there before making 50 appearances for Vancouver Whitecaps, where he had got two it. spells. I've got it. Do you want me to say it? Yeah. Because I've got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, son of a bitch. I'm not playing this game again. This is why we got rid of this game. It's too, too obvious. It's too obvious, Dan. Yeah, Mark is like the encyclopedia. I have no idea. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I would have said to you, Dan, that he went on to play for Man United before becoming truly famous at uh, scoring best part of a goal every other game at Newcastle. I think I before doing the same. Newcastle. Yeah, before doing the same at Liverpool and Everton. No idea he played for United. Yeah, well, he, he didn't actually play for him, but he was. I think he signed for United at one point. Yeah, 97, 98, he played for Bolton, scored twice in 17 games I, before we, we we sacked him off to Manchester City on loan because he was rubbish. I was watching the Bolton under-21 games once and it might have actually tell you what it was. It was the friendly when we played Barcelona B. And, um, I remember it well. Delafayu played on that game. Yeah, I, was, I remember it well. And for some reason, I think it was that game, I'm pretty sure it was. And for some reason, Peter Vazler was sat in the crowd with some of his Newcastle under-21 or under-18 players. So, Interesting. Sorry. Good story, bro. Yeah, thanks for that. And thank you for the game. Thanks to Mark. Uh, it was great, wasn't it? Bloody hell. It about 30 seconds. All right. Well, right. you have to do better don't next invite, time. Don't in, yeah, don't invite him off again. <laughs> and uh, big thanks to Ben for joining us early in the podcast. And thank you for listening to the Line of Vienna Week podcast, episode 84, I believe. Follow me on Twitter, at Mabroski. You can't follow Chris on Twitter, but you can follow Mark on Twitter, of course, at Mark Isles, and of course, you can get all his many, 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 many brilliant pieces of Bolton writing and journalism and whatnot over at the Bolton News slash Wanderers, I believe, or something along those lines. But, gentlemen, thank you very Oh, of course, I nearly forgot. Follow at Line of Vienna of course. Go to lineofvienna.com for our own articles on the good old Bolton Wanderers, and you know all the jazz, you know what to do. Right, rate, subscribe, like, star, all that jazz. As I said, thank you very much for listening. And there's nothing else to say, lads. It's time to say goodbye, very finally, at last. So say goodbye, Chris. <laughs> goodbye, Chris. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye, Mark. And it's goodbye from me, Seth Lack. <laughs>